Women in Wellbeing is an Eden Center podcast, highlighting emotional well-being and mental health through Jewish sources and interviews with experts and activists. Our host, Karen Muller-Jackson, is a certified Matan Marala Halakha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kifun Lashirut Guidance Program for Religious Girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Just as the mikvah waters create the opportunity for renewal, we hope the insights shared here will serve as a springboard for discussion and rejuvenation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Eden Center Women and Wellbeing Podcast. This Kislev podcast is sponsored by Erez and Shelley Markowitz in memory of Bella Wertheimer, daughter of Moshe Tzvi and Krendel Mihai, to commemorate 25 years since her passing on Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Bella Wertheimer, but Moshe Tzvi v'Krendel Lebet Mihai. May her neshama have an aliyah. During this time, we are focusing on aspects of well-being during wartime in Israel. This episode, I will be focusing on the many women whose husbands are in Miluim, reserve duty, or who themselves are away from home. This situation poses many challenges, especially when it comes to the emotional and halachic aspects of Tarat HaMishpacha and relationships. After a few short Torah thoughts, I will discuss this with Dr. Judith Fogel, a familiar name at the Eden Center. Chodesh Kislev is a month when we strive to banish the darkness and increase the light. This year in particular, we are surrounded by so much darkness. Jewish history is no stranger to destruction and loss. Yet rabbinic sources in particular emphasize that even in darkness and destruction, there are turning points, points of light. The beginning of Talmud Brachot contains a midrash about David HaMelech. It teaches that he would never be asleep at midnight like so many of us these days. There are two depictions of how he spent his night. According to Rabbi Zera, until midnight, King David would doze like a horse, and after midnight, he would rise up like a lion. The second opinion, Rabbi Ashi teaches, he would learn Torah until midnight for protection. And from then, from then on, he would sing songs of praise to God. These opinions emphasize different aspects of King David's persona in the Bible. It reminds me so much of the videos we are seeing of the Chayalim singing from the Shetach and uh, while they're wearing uniform. King David was the warrior and the poet. Both opinions emphasize that David had this experience at Chatzot, that Chatzot had this almost mystical effect on him. In the first half of the night, he would be losing strength, he would be fearful, he would be immersed in darkness. And then Chatzot marks the turning point where King David could feel the seeds of redemption, gain strength, and begin to sing songs of praise to God, even before the light. The concept of Chatzot, as this Midrash points out, relates also to Moshe and the Exodus story. The commentaries on the book of Shemot debate when the Exodus, when did the redemption truly begin? On the one hand, first, God promises to bring the makot, the plagues against the firstborn, at around midnight, kechatzot, after which the people would leave Egypt. Then God's promise is fulfilled in the middle of the night, bechatzi halayla. Paro, in response to the suffering, commands Moshe to take the Israelites out in the night. However, Moshe had instructed the people not to leave their homes until the morning. It also states that God took them out of Egypt on that very day, understood by some commentaries to mean in full daylight. When did the exodus happen, in the night or in the day? 
Ramban resolves the ambiguity of the timing of the Exodus as follows. He teaches, B'nai Israel left Egypt in the daytime, so all could see the redemption. But the process of Geulah began at night. Midnight, then, is this significant turning point when the seeds of potential for redemption began. To quote another poet-singer, Leonard Cohen, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This is also the message of Hanukkah and Kislev. The miracle of the oil which lasted eight days did not come from nothing. The Chashmonaim found one parsham and one cruise of oil, which would have been enough for one day. But that little light extended to create more light. Small amounts of light can eradicate the darkness. During this time, we are dealing with the darkness of our enemies and the immeasurable loss and pain of October 7th, the Black Shabbat as it is being called in Israeli media. We are, at the time of this recording, fearful for those who have been kidnapped. We are also seeing darkness rear its ugly head in the form of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism around the world. There can also be feelings of darkness and despair even in the day-to-day Many families in Israel have numerous chayalim and chayalot, some on the forefront of the war, and women in particular are trying to keep it together on the home front. It is understandable to be feeling pulled down by the darkness. We at the Eden Center want you to feel a little lighter, a little stronger, knowing that you are not alone, and hopefully provide some resources to help you and your family and friends through this challenging time. Dr. Judith Fogel is a Yoetzet Halacha and educator with a PhD in human sexuality. She teaches Gemara and Halacha in various women's learning institutions, including Midrashat Harova. She's a veteran Kala teacher and the director of the Eden Center's Kala teacher training programs. Judith, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. These are unprecedented times. We are at war in Israel and some couples, many couples, have been separated for a month or more. Some are newly married, some are trying to have children, some have numerous children, and many of them are just plain scared. Many of our chayalim and even some chayalot are uh, are away from home for long periods of time, are in dangerous situations, putting their lives at risk. Um, I think that we can all agree that there are specific issues which come up around harat ha in this unique situation. Today, I'm discussing with Dr. Judith Fogel some of the issues that we have been asked about as a yoetzet and expert in sexuality, and myself as a morala halacha. And uh, what we'd like to do is raise some of the emotional components, um, as well as talk about some of the halachic issues to hopefully help our listeners uh, approach these situations as prepared and informed as possible. So let's begin. Uh, I'm basing this on some of the questions that uh, we've been getting either at the Eden Center or myself, uh, and just things that uh, that I've been hearing. Um, Let's uh, let's take this one from one woman who asked, how should one go about Hilchot Nida while my husband is in Miluim? Should I go to the mikvah on time? Um, what, if I'm, what if I'm in a situation where either I'm scared to go out or I can't find anyone to stay with my children? Perhaps I'm in a place where it's not so safe to go out at night. What are my options? Wow. 
There are always such difficult questions coming in during this time and really big debates where I just, I don't think that there's one right answer for any of these questions. Um, and I think part of the questions and the reason why we're getting unique questions that it really depends on the person and the situation in which they're dealing with, right? And the question specifically that you just asked, right? We have a woman who is afraid possibly to go outside. Now, that could be someone in, you know, in a place where there are rockets all the time, but that could also be someone where there are no rockets, but just she experiences this as more anxiety. Um, that could be also coming from someone who may, in general, love going to the mikvah, or someone who actually, in general, has difficulties going to the mikvah. So there's so many lines and layers to the question that I think it's hard even to just give one blanket answer across the board. But I think what we can do is that we can unpack it a little bit in a way that hopefully we can open up the conversation and allow people ways of thinking about this. What, what is your opinion, Karen? Well, first of all, I want to take a step back and and uh, say that I, perhaps it's clear to many of our listeners, um, but if possible, it is best, even if your husband is, on, is away for an extended time in Miluim, and even if you're not necessarily feeling uh, feeling that you have the emotional bandwidth. If you if you can, uh, if it is possible to go uh, on time, it's always best to because there's you never know. There's always surprises. When we trained, um, this was uh, this would come up in many of the discussions. Always best to go on time from a halachic perspective, as well as you never know. Um, you never know when your husband might just suddenly be let out. Um, so that's one uh, small piece to start with. Certainly we have heard, and Naomi shared with me, that Rav Rimon gave the Eden Center permission to publicize his psak, that in this etzara, this time of war, women in Israel who for any reason are nervous or emotionally are finding it too difficult to leave their home at night, especially because we know that everyone's anxiety rises at night, if they are scared to go or their kids are scared to be left alone or there is just too much tension for them around going or any other reason now that makes going at night very challenging, then they have permission to go on the eighth day without needing to call and get a personal psaac with the goal to have women tovel safely and feel shalem about doing so. So just to clarify, the idea that uh, a woman can go to the mikvah on the eighth day has its has its source and, and roots in the Gemara, where we know that when there's a, a time of fear, a time of tzara, if a woman feels scared, um, that would um, allow the possibility of her being able to immerse during the day. So just to be clear, during this time, this time of war, this time of tzara, there is this uh, permissibility to go if she has access to a mikvah open that she can get to in the daytime to go on the eighth day. If she feels comfortable going at night on the regular time, of course, that is, um, um, she is welcome to do so. Uh, and if not, to know, to feel confident that there is this psaac, um for this time period to go on the eighth day during the day. Um, and also one of the challenges that have been coming up is really finding the mikvah that's going to open up. Um, one of the things that is, especially here in Israel, is that the mikvahs are run by the cities and they're run by Balaniot who are also in these same situations. 
Um, and sometimes for them, it's hard to find, you know, they work during the day or they have children at home during the day. And sometimes it's hard to find someone to open up the mikvah during the day. But I think if you're able to do that and find, you know, a place to do that and you feel more comfortable. So I think that that is one of the options that goes on. In terms of the seventh, going in the seventh day, I think that this is uh, something which um, is, is uh, from a halachic perspective, can be a little bit more complicated. But we know that there's been scenarios over um, from the time of the Gemara um, in terms of, uh, you know, and until today where there's been um uh, there's a way to make that work in very specific situations. And here I would say best to consult with um, your local halachic authority. Um, if you know that your husband's going to come home that night and you can only get to the mikvah in the day, um, perhaps there'll be a way to make that work. What do you think, Judith? Um, so I wanted to add on one other thing, one other element, is that I feel like um, with the women whose husbands aren't home, we totally encourage people to go on time, but I also think it's okay for a woman to say, at this point, I can't do it. Like my emotional state is not there and going to the mikvah has like all these other elements to it. And, and there's just something that's a blockage there. And I think that she has to be able to give herself permission to be like, this is not going to happen tonight. Like there's too much going on tonight. There's too much that, well, we have to try to figure out how to clear that space for her. I think we also have to be able to give her space to say, I'm not there right now and I can't do it. And I think that that's also important. Um, in terms of the seven days during the day, it's also, it's so important to ask because, or I would even say like this, first of all, um, we are encouraging people if they could, let's say they don't know when their husbands are coming back or when they're going to be back. If it's a woman who's out in the, in the, in the field, um, we are encouraging women to try to do a have sake to route earlier. Meaning if you're an Ashkenazic woman and you do it on day five, try to do it on day four, right? Mm -hmm. Some women, when they're on these on birth control pills, sometimes they like the period gets really, really short. Now as an Ashkenazic woman, you wait five days anyway. But in this situation, just do your half sake earlier, just in case, you know, you know, your bleeding is stopped. It is so much easier to play around with the four or five days in the beginning than yeah. it is with the seven clean days. With the seven clean days, I think it's also important to ask. I've been asked a question where literally the husband came home um, for 24 hours and he was going back at like her mikvah night was the night he was going back, meaning mm. he was home the day before. Mm. Now, that's a good time to ask. Now, there has to be other elements involved, and there were. There were other elements involved in the in the situation, but it is definitely a time to ask because when we ask these questions and to know that there's certain heterium that are around, depending on the situation, it's important. And certainly, I know there are women that are going through fertility treatments who have done all the workup and have, like, done all the shots and are ready to, you know, go about the next stage, and the husband is at war. And so there also definitely there's room to move around and ways to discuss. I mean, it's a very intense time, certainly for fertility issues, and then also couples with the war. So I think that it's really, really important to know that there are times where some of these things will be allowed. Obviously, on a podcast, we're not going to say which scenarios for all because then you interpret it. But I think that that's important. Yes. Yeah, you're really tapping into this question, which I think is a sort of meta question in this conversation, which I've been thinking about a lot 
which is how do we manage this balance between, you know, when, when can I rely on a heter for wartime and, um, and, and how do I balance whether I want that, whether I want to, whether I want to rely on that and, or if I want to keep the structure, um, am I the kind of person, um, who is nervous to, you know, start to allow, um, leniencies in, um, what will that look like after the war? This is something I've been hearing also a fear of, um, people in, involved in answering questions, you know, will people be able to hear that there's an answer for this moment for this person, as opposed to just blanket hunter? Um, what do you think about that? No, I think that's also the transitions of going. I mean, even like, I think that we also have similar questions, less emotionally charged questions, but in terms of Shabbat, right? The ones that are, you know, people that are fighting in the army on Shabbat, they were told they could warm up food, cook food, right? Drive it like everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really everything that's out there. And there's no fear that after the war, they're not going to want to keep Shabbat, right? There's no fear. I mean, maybe there should be, I don't know, but there's no fear about the going back afterwards. I think people are happy to go back to the Misgerit of Shabbat because we love the, the that framework and it, it adds and contributes. And, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate Shabbat. And I think, you know, in a, ter- in a certain sense, we also have to focus on this framework of Nidah. That it's actually, you know, even though it's challenging for many people, but the framework is actually something positive within our lives. And perhaps we could think about that, that maybe in wartime, this particular framework is is important um, in a certain way to give up of this important in a certain way. But I think after wartime, it will be a transition. But I think we have to think about the bigger picture. Yes, 100%. I so agree with you. And so just to just to um, add on to what you were saying about, you know, um, preemptive planning, um, if you can achieve the four days plus seven, uh, even if you're Ashkenazi, uh, this, you know, this would be a time where we can rely in, m- in many cases on that. Would you agree with that? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I would always say to do that, have Sektara early just in case. Just in case. You know, like you might not go early because your husband is still on the front, but it's really important to have that to rely on. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And so also, if you are finding that you're having tamim or stains and you have questions, this is the time uh, to more than ever to ask to try and, you know, to try and avoid stains turning into Nida status. And, um, and the, you know, these are the sort of uh, ways to, to try and avoid a situation where, um, where you are in Nida if you don't have to be unnecessarily, um, I just want to add on to that. I think it's actually really interesting. One of the things that we're seeing is that during wartime, there are actually more questions on scenes. There is more spotting that's happening. One of the things that we know is that our bodies are affected by what's going on emotionally outside, like emotionally inside and what's going on on the outside. And women are calling up with more, more questions regarding spotting. And it's just happening more often. It is a known fact. So first of all, if you're experiencing that, this is what's happening. Stress, it causes that. And therefore, ask your questions. Don't put yourself into need unnecessarily based on this. And I think it's important in terms of that. Such an important uh, point. And it's so interesting to be able to speak with you and hear about, you know, just also the, the even if it's anecdotal, the experience of, of what's going on and what women are grappling with. Um, so we, we sort of have, a, you know, talked a little bit about how to uh, potentially avoid going into NIDA or manage the NIDA in a preemptive way now that we have a little more, um, you know, now we know a little bit more what the situation is. Um, of course, it's going to happen and it has happened um, that um, 
Achayel may come home while uh, his wife is in Nida. And, um, and I think there's a lot of emotion in this, um, how, you know, how, how to manage that, um, uh, the feeling of disappointment um, if you can't be intimate, um, the concern of, you know, of, of uh, when will there be the next time that I can see him? Um, what have you been, what have you been um, talking about with and advising women uh, or couples who may be talking to you about this issue? Wow. I think this is one of the hardest questions. It is one of the hardest questions because I believe in the system and I believe in the laws of Nida to the fullest extent. Um, and I think that this really challenges everything. And there are a certain perspective of like, no, you know what? These are the rules of Nida. We've done this for many generations. You know, this is something that our grandmothers and great grandmothers and like the wrote the generations have done. And it's something that's important to us and we're going to keep through it no, no matter the challenges. And that's one approach. I don't think that that works for everyone. And I think that part of it also is, is this tremendous challenge. And that's why I think there have been a lot of discussions re regarding this, right? There certainly are some post schemes that are even talking about being able to give a hug through clothing, right? Like, you know, you are in need of, don't go into your bedroom, you know, go into a public space, be able to give that hug. And I think that that also differentiates between sexual touch and affectionate touch or supportive touch. Right. We're not talking about them going and, you know, having sex at that moment. What we're talking about is giving the support to the Chayalim at a time that is to the soldiers that is really necessary. One of the things that they're saying is that we have to raise the morale, that a lot of this is based on the morale and the ability to be like, we could do this. And when someone knows, whether it's a man or a woman, knows that their spouse is behind them and knows that they have their family behind them and all of Am Yisrael, all of the nation behind them, they're able to fight in a better way. And therefore, I can understand where this commentary is coming or where this, this, this idea, this halachic advice is coming to be able to give that supportive hug. Um, so that's some of the, the, the discussions that are happening regarding what's allowed. And I think that, again, you know, every couple has to make that decision because there definitely are, you know, chayalim and chayalot that are returning when they are in Nita. I just also like to open it up because I do have questions coming from the field from women. You know, I even got a question from one of the women who wants to do her bedika checks as she is a chayelet on the border of Aza. And she's like, what kind of cloth can I use? I'm in the middle of like the border of Aza. We don't even have showers. What should I do? And I just think that it's amazing that even in the times of war, this is what, obviously, you know, this is what she's thinking about. And she did do the check. She found, you know, what, what she could use. Um, and she's just waiting for that night off that she could just go to the mikvah and then go home to her husband, who's also serving. So I think that it's actually really complicated. And to put that piece out there, that both our men and our women who are keeping needs out are also serving. Yeah, I really want to reinforce that. It's it's really, I mean, and imagine this. I heard someone on a woman on the radio last night who was serving, who's quite um, high up, and uh, she and her husband are both serving, and two of their kids. And you know, and and the radio interviewer got so emotional, you know, when, and they were apparently all together this past Shabbat for the first time since October seventh. And you think about what you know. That's just such a. It's so important to frame it that way too. We live in a generation where our youth are. Um, they're not so much youth anymore. Our young adults are incredible, and their sense of shlichut is unbelievable. And we have many chayalot um, also away from home sometimes both husband and wife, which is uh, a really important um, 
piece of this. And I love, I love what you described about her commitment. That's so incredible. Um, I think that this framing of, um, you know, yes, there's this real, uh, there's this real shift and it takes a while to wrap your head around it of we're doing, you know, the Chaylim are doing things on Shabbat that they normally don't do on Shabbat. And, and so how to manage the heterim that are coming, that are, that are potentially here, like the hugging that you mentioned, which, you know, which, which we are sharing very clearly that there are different opinions on this, but there are a few rabbis who've come out and permitted this. Um, I think that um, this is really for a couple to talk about. Um, if we're talking about preemptively, it's a it's an opportunity to discuss and and make an informed and comfortable decision um, and um, and commitment that you know this is for now and please God very soon in the future we won't need these um, we won't need this. Um, so, uh, so this this leads to the sort of the flip side of this question, which is on the one hand we're discussing okay, couple are are, are in Nida and they can't <laughs> be together intimately, um, and what about if they are in a state of heter and um, and and they're struggling with this, they're struggling, and, and perhaps this with time will dissipate. But it's an etzara. How, you know, how can I be together with uh, my spouse um, while all this, well, there's been so much loss and every day we're reading about such tragedies and um, my head is just not, uh, I'm not there. Um, have you had conversations with women? Uh, yes, this is a topic that comes up all the time, also both as a U.S. and Al-Akha, but also as a sex counselor. I'm dealing with these questions of people who are not finding that space to be intimate. And I think, first of all, once again, give yourself permission. Give your, yourself permission to mourn and to be upset and to be within the war. And I think part of, you know, our role within Am Yisrael is to carry the burden of everyone. And we do. It's not just you and your family that's fighting like that family. That's all the soldiers fighting in the war. It's not just you. We are here with you. And I feel like that um, he's the who's that like um, I forget the word, that identification with that family is so important. And I think that give yourself permission. If you're not there, it's OK not to be sexual. Um, I think definitely, you know, those warm cuddles and hugs and touch are so important. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's sexual, but definitely reach out and touch. Many people in this time, you can see across the board, are giving hugs and are touching and are in that way. And I think that that's important. So that's one aspect. Number two is that even though we're carrying the burden for all of Amisrael, I think it's important also that we get to live life. Part of fighting a war is the idea that also there's a purpose to this. We're celebrating the bar mitzvahs. We're celebrating the weddings. We're, we're, we're trying as much to have, I mean, this month now in, uh, in Israel for the B'nai Kiva group is Chodesh Yirgun. And it's a big month of like where all the kids get really excited about their youth movements. And part of the discussion has been going on. Should we lower the excitement? Should we encourage the excitement? Should we have the dancing or not? And the kids need it. They need a little bit of that dancing. They need that outlet. And I think in a certain extent, the adults, they also need that sexual touch, right? It is important to be able to have that space and to give yourself permission to also take a break from the war, to also be able to be in a different space. 
And I think one of the things that's helpful for that, some a little bit of advice, is basically maybe make a little bit of time at nighttime where you don't check your phone and you don't check your social media and you cut off from that and say, now we're going to be just the two of us. Whatever happens, happens. But being able to cut off from everything that's going on and being able to be in your space and drink your cup of tea or your cup of wine or whatever it is you do to connect to each other and then allow yourself that space to be there. I know for some women, um, I've, I've been hearing from women that they can't get certain images out of their heads based on what everyone's been talking about, the atrocities. It's really hard. And that's why I think, you know, even though we want to identify with like everything that's going on and really carry the burdens, I think it's really important to try as much as possible to stay away from imagery, even like reading the newspapers with the descriptions. It really does get into your head and you can see that. So I think part of that is also working on being present in the moment, right? We talk a lot about mindfulness. And so if you have images that come up in your head or thoughts that come up in your head regarding the war, just take a second to refocus and focus on your body and take a second to just breathe. It's okay. It was there. Great. Wonderful. Breathe and just let it go. And then focus again on where you are and the importance of sexual touch, right? A lot of times that really connects people and makes the couple stronger to even face their children, the world at large and things and things out there. So I think that there's definitely permission to be sexual. And I think it's also actually really important to be able to take that space and to be adults and to have your private life, um, irregardless of what's going on, not irregardless, but um, in addition to what's going on within the world. Yeah. You know, last last month, um, just after the war broke out, I interviewed Dr. Bella Morgan about um, as, you know, women and individuals, how to, how to, um, you know, give us, give ourselves permission to take care of our, of ourselves as individuals. Um, and I think this so ties in, you know, we talk in Israel now about the Chazit and the Oref, right? The Chazit are the people on the front and the Oref are those who, you know, who have their back. And really it's this incredible, um, feeling of everyone wanting to try to, to help in some way. Um, and, and, you know, that that concept of the ORF of, you know, those of us who are um, supporting and giving, make, we, we care deeply about the morale of the Chaylim, and that is such an important piece of this. And I know that's come into some of the halachic psaq on, you know, on, on, um, on this topic that we're talking about here. Uh, at the same time, it's also okay, and I'm listening to you and reminding myself, for um for the woman or the 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 member of the couple the spouse who's home most often the woman who um needs to um also you know help with her own morale um it's good for her it'll help her in her relationship uh and so and so i really um wanted to just like add that piece in here um so um so i guess one final piece which i would like to think about um is is sort of going forward um the longer term we we don't know how this looks um the army is saying you know commanders in the army and the leadership is saying this will take a while um we pray we pray it will be as over swiftly and smoothly and every one of our chayalim will come home safely and um we are praying for for quiet and security um how can couples manage assuming this is going to be going ongoing for some time um what do you think I think also I get a lot of questions about this regarding how people want to um, work and play around with their hormonal birth control 
I mean, if they're on hormonal contraception, you can play around with this a little bit. So at the beginning of the war, people just, you know, took two packs of their, their hormonal contraception, skipped the placebos, and took two packs in a row. And now it's coming up to the three packs in a row. And soon it's going to be the four packs. Like, how long can you do that? eventually a woman has to stop and, and take the placebos, right? The doctors will tell you, you know, approximately three months, but everyone should ask their own doctor. But like, you're going to have to stop eventually. A woman's going to be in need to eventually. And also we can't plan for everything. So I think in terms of looking towards the long go- long the long run is that this is a long-term, you know, this is going to be taking a while. And there are going to be times when your husband is going to be coming home and you're in need of, and there are going to be times when he's not. This is like, you know, when I teach women as brides who are marrying uh, men in the army, you know, we always say at the beginning, we're going to try as much as possible to schedule that when he has his break, you're not going to be in need of, but you can't plan for everything. You really can't. And there are going to be times that we're going to have to deal with it. So I think in the long term to realize that this is the long term, we got to let our bodies naturally do what they need to do. And even if that means having to deal with Nida during the times when he's at home. So I think it's like this, like, like the unknown and there's so much of that and it's so nice to be able to know when you're getting your period and when not but sometimes we can't so to the best of our ability we'll we'll plan but sometimes we're gonna have to deal with the unknown yes embrace the uncertainty so to conclude most significantly i think um judith and i have strongly agreed the most important thing is to breathe and <laughs> and to ask more than ever ask um try to inform yourself think about ways that you can um uh take care of yourself and best prepare for situations of surprise visits home and at the same time um ask questions uh there are many people who um who you can reach through the Eden Center and um uh and so ask questions um and um and and take the take the longer term view and uh and remember like you said this is um we are together in this in Am Israel and um and please god this will um, there will be a future. This will be over, and um, couples will be able to be together, and we'll be seeing more of those babies. <laughs> um, and I think also, just uh, to conclude, also that these are troubling times across the board, right? Everyone is trying to do what they can do, and sometimes we feel like our challenges are so small compared to like the bigger challenges. But every challenge is a challenge, and therefore we're all there to help you. Right. This is a community. We deal with this as a community. So to echo the idea of asking and informing and all of that and to also be able to say, okay, you know, life is challenging now. It's not going to be easy. And we're dealing with some of these like challenging moments, but we shall prevail. We're going to get through it. We're going to learn more about ourselves, about Nida, about our relationships. And hopefully, Bezrat Hashem, as you said, the war will be over swiftly and successfully. And we'll be able to live once again in Israel with all of the safety that we need. So Bezrat Hashem, that all the Chayalim and Chayalot shall come home safely and all the people in Israel will be living safely. Amen. Amen. It should be a Chodesh Tov and a Chodesh of Bracha. Thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, 
to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. Please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe.